you know, it was like Cocoa Puffs, I Love Lucy, and then, <laughs> oh, we're going to eat your baby. Motherfucking goddamn orange peel beef. <laughs> We are back, and it is one fucking hour time, of course, the show where we talk about one movie for one fucking hour. Uh, I am Evan Husney, and of course, we are joined by Tom Fitzgerald to my left. Tom, how's it going? Greetings. Uh, I'm very excited about this one. Oh, man, yeah. This is, uh, I have been chomping at the bit to get into this. Uh, wow. And it's, I, can't, I can't wait. Uh, to my right, we also have our usual guest here, our special friend here, Mr. Marcus Herring. Marcus, how's it going? Hi. Hey. All right. All right. And uh, so we're going to be getting right into this, guys. A little recap because we teased it at the end of last week. This is episode 62 where we are getting into the ill-fated, not finished, incomplete Nightmare on Elm Street reboot from 2002 starring Michael Berryman now. We talked about it at the end of last week that we were able to get a top secret link of this movie sent to us. We saw the movie. It's absolutely wild backstory. And we're going to get into how yeah. the movie was made, how yeah. it came together, how it fell apart, why it was shelved. Someone should make a movie about the making of this reboot. That would be... It's that crazy. That's true. That would be great. So we're going to get into the money laundering, all that stuff. Uh, this is a crazy story. So strap in. The Nightmare on Elm Street 2002 reboot, episode 62. You guys ready? Shall we do this? Shall we start this clock? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. And here we go. Boom. All right, Tom, why don't you just start us off here? I mean, what was yeah, your initial well, reaction to this I mean, seeing uh, movie? You know, it's it's always special to see a mythic lost film. And, uh, you know, I finally sat down and watched it the other day. And, you know, it's not as bad as I thought it would be, actually. Stop the clock. You guys saw I can't. <laughs> come on, guys. Oh. It's, like, it's April 15th. What? You got busted like two weeks ago, guys. I mean, come on. Look at these comments here. Look at these comments. It's like, are you guys fooling? No way. Fool me once. I assume this has something to do with the 1st of April. Come on, guys. We've been f we got busted already. So what are we doing here? Uh, uh, okay. okay all right all right you got us <sighs> you got us uh, i mean there isn't there isn't sadly a yeah. michael berryman night at Marin elm street yeah uh, we made it up out of whole cloth and ai yeah and people got us people got it figured out a little too fast but wouldn't that have been great if there was a michael berryman nightmare i know elm street? the imagination cheer is up marcus and you know what there's still a chance where i'm hoping that our stupid prank uh, you know, for uh, uh, I call it May's, May Fool's Day is because we're taking so long to uh, to articulate this joke is is uh, I would love for Michael Berryman for like his agent to get a call from like somebody at Shudder, you know, and it's like, <laughs> guys, did you see that prank? Let's do this. And then and then like a year from now, we are doing uh, an hour on the new Michael Berryman film of Nightmare on Elm Street. I, you know, maybe we'll see. Well, Stranger things would can happen. Yeah, yeah, that would be a good thing to come out of stretching a joke for so long. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's yeah, keep it going. It, it kind of got a little awkward because we weren't able to record right away after we <laughs> right. dropped the joke. So then now <laughs> it's two weeks later. Away. Yeah. So we didn't really plan it out too well. But anyway, what should shit. we do? I don't know what to do. We're here. We're uh, recording. I mean, I really. I, like, I, I mean, I, it's I, like 
yeah we were planning on committing to an hour on a fake movie <laughs> and yeah. uh, i think marcus uh, clear heads prevailed marcus did uh kind of talk <laughs> us down but uh, I was in, I was I was interested in the challenge. But uh, look, this all started. We just love Michael Berryman. Like yeah. I'm, you yeah. know, I, I'm I'm a fanboy. Uh, I saw him speak once. He's very funny and cool, and yeah. he's just such oh, a great we met presence. Him. Yeah, we met, we him. met him and hung out with him. Right? Yeah, and I saw him speak, and um, he's just he's a legend. And so, uh, so I don't know. Thinking? Like uh, I don't know. I mean, Michael Berryman's something. You know, he did make an appearance in our One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest uh, episode. We already did that movie, though. Well, that's what I'm saying, yeah. (laughs) I mean, he's also, I mean, mean, Hills Have Eyes is kind of a lot of one of the main reasons people know him. I mean. That's that's where he broke. You know, that's that's his big movie. That's his jailhouse Can we do a whole hour on that movie, though? Should we just fucking do it? I could alone. <laughs> really? Know? Really? Okay. Yeah, it's. I've seen it. I, I could watch it blindfold and, and tell you guys every shot. Like, okay, and then this oh. is this part and this part. I love it too. I mean, we could just fucking rip it. Should we just rip it? Yeah. Let's. Uh, let's do. I mean, you know, the one good thing about Hills of Eyes, it actually exists. It's a real. Film. Okay. All right. Let's do <laughs> so it. Let's it has do that it. Advantage. All right. Restart uh, this let's shit. Let's go. Motherfucking goddamn orange peel beef. All right, everybody. Yeah. All right. Welcome back. It's one fucking hour time. I'm Evan Husney. We got Tom. We got Marcus. We're going to be doing... Episode 62, one fucking hour on The Hills Have Eyes from 1977, starring our homie, Michael Berryman. All right, I'm going to start this clock for fucking real. You guys ready? (laughs) All right, here we go. Clock is starting now. All right, so Tom, since we're freestyling this, Yes. And you know every frame of this goddamn movie. <laughs> Knock it off. I know it very well. Yeah. Uh, okay. Can I you, guess the briefest of synopsis is... Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Can you, I was going to say, can you hit us with a synopsis? Well, it's... Uh, so it's 1977. It's, uh, you know, it, we got Wes Craven here is coming off of making a truly monstrous, um, you know, exploitation ho- sort of horror classic, The Last House on the Left from 1972 and uh, this is his follow-up five years later and it's funny i mean he didn't he didn't lose any of the punch of a mm. movie like last house because uh this film is uh you know hills have eyes is really vile and really still kind of like yikes uh kind of like a dark energy here and uh very like i guess it's realistic in its own way it's just very grim and uh, it's a very simple story. It's again, it's kind of a fairy tale. You know how Last House on the Left is actually uh, the same kind of folklore that uh, you know Bergman's Virgin Spring, which we did. That's right. It's based right. on. So that's you know Last House. This is based on a, um, a legend of a Scottish uh, clan. The name escapes me. Like I think it's like Seamus Obini or something like that. Yeah, like it's this, the Shawnee uh, Bean family. Shawnee right. Bean, right? That's so so it's this yeah. clan and this uh, this patriarch is is a big, you know, the legend is the big cannibal family. Like they were they they were sort of like cannibal Highlanders, and you know there'd be uh, people you know uh, going from one location to another uh, with coachmen, and they'd get knocked off uh, and friggin' eaten in big pots up in Scotland. So 
you know, let's keep in mind always that Wes Craven uh, was a teacher before getting into Grindhouse films, amazingly. And so he uh, he's a he's a pretty literary guy for that world. And he would call and he's and he continued to do this, by the way. Uh, the origin of Nightmare on Elm Street, for instance, is um, uh, some kind of uh, some, some third world countries. Um, legend of what uh, how dreaming works you know mm. maybe it's bali or something like that and so wow. it, it's it's a, it's a continual thing in his career to uh, to draw upon uh more literary and uh um you know historical uh folklore and it's the same case here and he just transposed this you know kind of uh, medieval tale uh from scotland and put it in um you know mid-70s uh southwest america the desert and boy that's that's killer that's a killer little uh kind of thing to do and um it's a very simple story and i think that uh, it, it, and again it's like a fairy tale and that it uh, and it repeats also last house in that there's two families so we're going to get into that like there's this one family that's going in their camper van to la to california from the midwest or something and uh, they get stopped, you know, the thing breaks down, the camper, and uh, they're preyed upon by this group that lives up in the hills, you know, and they prey on these po poor folks and they, um, you know, they, they, the, their plan is to pick them off and eat them up, you yeah. know, and so you've got two warring clans and it's right. really that simple of a story. It's again, it's, right. it's, it's folkloric, it's, it's fairy tale kind of, and um, uh, it was a big hit and it did break the guy of the hour that we're talking about here, Michael Berryman was the poster boy he was the face of this film <laughs> he was and yeah. it's an in, yeah and it's an indelible image i mean he'll freak you the frick out just to look yeah. at him he makes a this great appearance in the film you know the first scene he pops up and i think audiences in 1977 at drive-ins were like what am i looking at he just turns to the camera <laughs> <laughs> you know and, and they must have been like uh yeah. What the hell is going on? Is this makeup? Yeah. I mean, True. God bless Michael Berry. I mean, he's afflicted yeah. with like like eighteen maladies. Well, you know, um, I have some, but he's yeah. a great guy. Yeah, but we'll yeah. get into that. But I'm just saying that um, this one was a huge phenomenon, a drive-in classic, uh, and um, it's still. Uh, it, it was pretty. He made a film that's just about as extra tough as Last House was. So yeah. uh, kudos to him for doing a super one-two punch in '70s uh, extreme horror cinema. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, man. It's it's uh, that was what kind of shocked me. Um, you know, watching it when I watched it the last time was like, man, like it's so it's so brutal. Like like this movie is like yeah, so. That's it, the word I couldn't think of. It's very brutal, but it's also visceral in that. Um, you know, but it it slow burn. Like it really takes mm -hmm. its time building the tension until it explodes right. literally for the back half of the movie. I, I, I would I would love to talk about how this film unfolds. Um, mm -hmm. I think that I think actually what's interesting about this film to me is it's so you last house is 72 and then chainsaw breaks about 73 Texas Chainsaw Massacre breaks about 73 into 74 and right. it's huge and in a weird way it's uh, he's definitely and I, I know they were conscious of this Wes and um, his uh, creative team Peter Locke I think was the producer That's and right. um, I think they were absolutely conscious of uh, let's let's do let's can Wes can you do a chainsaw massacre so there's a lot of that and I guess what I'm trying to say just to piggyback on what you're saying is um I'm a huge fan of the first half hour of, of a horror film very often yeah, yeah. because of that foreboding and unfolding and yeah. then sometimes I lose interest you know sometimes by the end it's like ah like the girl's getting chased and it's okay but like there's nothing like um both these 
Hills and, and Chainsaw, where it's like all these like wide shots and it's like people mm-hmm. who don't know there's something really bad happening, like not very far away, you know, and yeah. this film is like that. Well, yeah, before maybe we get into the just breakdown of the flick and maybe talk about, um, you know, some of the some of the, the the origin stories of some of the creative minds that put this movie together. Um, I wanted to tag you and Marcus just to sort of talk about what's your take on Hills Have Eyes in general? Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, there's like some terrifying screaming going on outside my house. So I was like, it was kind of mirroring uh, the film uh, for a second. What? Excuse so, me? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, is this for this real? Are you okay? Can we pause for a second for real? <laughs> okay, are you serious? Pause it for once. Yeah, no, I'm serious. Yeah. Hold on, just pause for a second. Hold okay. On. Oh my god. Okay. This what is, getting... is happening? I think we're getting pranked, Evan. Yeah, I know. Because he's got Michael Berryman there, and he's going to walk <laughs> in. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. What's going on? Oh. Uh... It was really scary because, uh, I mean, you've got all these vivid images of that film and all of the terrifying things that happened to, like, that family and mm-hmm. the baby and stuff. And then there's just, like, this terrifying, hysterical screaming so what outside is it? my house. And I, I, don't, I don't know. It's not coming from my – it's not coming from my house. It's, it's not So who cares? Anymore, yeah, so, so fuck uh, that shit. But I, I, right, well, we're I gonna got have my to... brain – like spinning, you know, with like uh, I'm getting scared. Stuff. All right, well, yeah. we got to do some maintenance here, so I guess. The All right, well, clock... let's let, let's start yeah. it up, Marcus. What's your just kind of general overall take on The Hills Have Eyes? I liked it. I think it's good. I don't. I'm not like a super fan. I think it's a really strong um, exploitation horror movie for the year. Like it, you can tell the filmmaking's on a really high level, like on the low budget and. You know, it's shot on 16, but it looks good. And like, um, mm-hmm. I think the the actors, like a lot of them, you don't see them in other things, like like you do uh, Berryman. He's like the most famous one, right? So, uh, well, one the of them is E.T., right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, oh, who's that? Um, what's her name again? What's well, her name? D. Wallace. D. Wallace. Like D. Wallace. Right. Yeah, D. Wallace. Yeah. Right. Well, I like her. I didn't pick up on that, but um, no, I think it's a good movie. I think it's a great movie. Uh, really for its time, really well made. Like when we we're. When we're, I don't know. I was when we decided to do it tonight. I was kind of like not so sure how much I was going to be able to talk about it, but um, okay. I, I like it. I don't know. All right. Actually, uh, we're all over the place, Evan. If I might, if you'll indulge me, this would I think be fun. Is uh, I do have something of an origin story in that I saw it, uh, you know, uh, as a kid. Go for it. You know. So okay. So there's just a, a few brief things. It's like. Um, because this did haunt me, like, and, and he, he, Michael Berryman haunted me. So there were TV spots when I was really little. When I was a really little kid, there would be a TV spot, and it's, it was like him. It was, and so, like, suddenly he was on my television. Story of an American family who lost everything. You know, it was like Cocoa Puffs, I Love Lucy, and then, <laughs> oh, we're going to eat your baby. And I remember <laughs> that I was so freaked out that I actually, in weird embarrassingly, uh, my mother was talking to her friend and, and uh, they were just chatting about movies. And I went, there's this one though. I don't know. It's there's TV commercials for it. And they just talk about eating babies. And my mom and her friend were like, it's just a movie. Like, God, these movies today, it's just awful. I remember that very clearly. Wow. I was very upset. 
They're, they're eating babies in movies. So, uh, so okay, so I'm obsessed, though. Of course, the yeah. way this works is I was like, well, I kind of got to see this. So only a few years later, I was still really young, and I did the most insane movie thing up to that point in my life. I saw in the TV guide that The Hills of Eyes was on at 1 in the morning wow. on a Friday. Yeah. <laughs> so I stayed up and watched not all of it, I think. I think I did the first hour. But it was horrifying as I'd never been up that late, like in my life. And it was on. And I got, I think my mom was even like out of town or something. So I was all alone at like two in the morning watching Hills Have Eyes. And it was great. And it was maybe the last film that really scared me. You know what I mean? I was, oh God, I was like uh, 11 or 10 or something. Yeah. And then, but the, I'll never forget this. I had a paper route Saturday morning. So I was fucking exhausted. And people were getting the paper at like noon, okay, because <laughs> I slept in. And, uh, and I just remember I went home and I was so exhausted. And I was like, well, what's on TV now? Because that's how I rolled back then. And uh, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, the <laughs> Bee Gees movie, was on. So I'll always have a connection with the Hills Have Eyes and Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band wow. because I had this bookend of watching one and then uh continue with the others what so, a time i um, thought that might come up in your guilty pleasures actually i was thinking oh, about you i don't know how i feel more. about it it, it <laughs> I, I only like it in the context with the uh, with michael berryman in the hills so anyway so um i have a, I have a real soft spot for, uh, i have a i have a real fondness for this film and like i was saying before maybe to start the conversation about the filmmaking is like i was saying uh, i watched uh, not all of it i guess i watched the first hour and that's what really got me because mm. of the silence and the grimness and like the, the 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 wind blowing in the lonely desert and little synth sounds with the wind <laughs> right that's how the film works you know like, <laughs> yeah yeah you know yeah and so that's what was really engaging me like i'll be specific and leave it to you guys like again the first the unfolding of the film's world which yeah. again which i love yeah. in horror movies and like it starts it's actually with that old codger that really old man, you know, like uh, Ooh, yeah. he was like the devil and I split his head open. You know, that guy yeah. runs the gas station and he's being hounded by, uh, you know, a couple of the kids, you know, like Pluto and like one of the other guys and like they're running around like little desert rats and you 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 sort of see them for two frames and you hear a shuffling and then the old man's hearing it and he's he's you just feel he's very alone. And if you were there, there wouldn't be anything for miles. The old man, you and like scurrying unseen creepazoid people who like smell like apes you know or whatever yeah. the old man's saying. <laughs> yeah. so uh yeah that unfolding stuff just is i think is so beautifully done and it's the music it's the um because like marcus you were saying it's a pretty handsome film i would say and you're right that's 16 millimeter and it is i'm sure very low budget probably a porno film budget it was kind of a porno film uh uh, uh, uh i think it's a little more than production. that I think it's a little more than not that. Much. The, not much. You know what? Really not much. Borrowed, wasn't the equipment borrowed from a porn? I think I read yes. that. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. Peter Locke did porno. Actually, you know, Wes Craven did porno. Like he was yeah. involved in them. He, he he worked on porn films after Last House uh, under a pseudonym. He was a uh, fireworks woman was one of them, I believe. He's so, in them, so, right? Isn't he also in them? Uh I think so. I think uh, he's non performing, but he's in it. But yeah. anyway, so yeah. I'm just saying that like for a low budget <laughs> film, like the like there's some really like really great filmmaking on display here. And I think yeah. it's it's, it's mm -hmm. evidenced as well as anything in how again the horror unfolding. That's all I'm really trying to say. Yeah, and the cut like the coverage, you know, the editing, they're like well, hit yeah. the, they're doing that like uh, classic hit the gas, see the wheels spinning, you know, like uh 
Great. And a lot of exploitation movies just so the car like slowly pulling away yeah, like and backing speed up, it up yeah. afterwards or something. But you yeah. can see him trying to um, use the budget effectively. Case in point, like there's like uh, they they are in the mountain range like where the the bombers are going through. And I've been to that kind of desert before out by Salton Sea. There's a place called like the Chocolate Range, wow, and there's wow. this, this no man's land. You can't go. The map is blacked out. It says like bombing range. And wow. like the, over the chocolate mountains or whatever, and uh, so it was freaked me out being there. Actually, like whoa, like yeah, just, it feels very weird. But like you know, um, so the, the family's driving really fast on those roads, trying to get away from the the, the planes or the jets that are bombing. You don't actually see a bomb drop, you know. Like you don't actually see uh, like you, you just see the camera, people acting, and you see the the, the planes going by, camera yeah. shaking, Good car call. driving fast. You never see the explosions, but you still you still understand what's happening. You still feel it. You still feel the yeah, yeah you know the, the yeah, the and it's all it's all the through the filmmaking, the magic of filmmaking. Good right. point. So he could he could see it. You know, like okay, we can do this. Like I can write right. this, and you write it in the script that there's like some bombings going off, and I can do it. Or the crucifixion. You know, yeah. they, they thought of a way to do it that is like you, the the audience is he's leaving some room for the audience to imagine what's happening, Definitely. rather than lingering on their you know their their um their low budget, which I think is a huge problem for me and a lot of low budget like sure. horror movies or whatever is people just get really into the latex and they just want to spend like five yeah, and they minutes just stick on the, the camera in like front of like a, off or, of a yeah. grand guignol kind of thing totally right. and actually just another little teaser into like some of the the great things about this the, the filmmaking here is <laughs> um again this sound design and just the whole world of like cb radio transmissions that's another yeah. kind of like creepy deserty thing like like mm -hmm. you're all alone but you're hearing like i'm gonna eat the toes you know like the kind of thing. <laughs> yeah well you know uh, and um yeah. because it's unseen but it's heard and it's like heard with the sound of the wind in the desert it's mm -hmm. very creepy yeah all these details and, are adding up very nicely into creepy stuff you know yeah and it's mm -hmm. it's, and it's it's also I, I just like the detail of the uh when you bringing up the idea of like the planes you know flying over like when the dad's driving yeah. with the family and everything and it's like this weird kind of very kind of realistic moment of like like when you're on the road and you don't know where the fuck you are, you're in the middle of nowhere. And like, you just have this general sense of raised anxiety about that to begin with. But then there's like these, like, you know, dive bombing fucking jets flying over you. That's probably like buzzing you. Yeah. Extremely loud and disorienting. And just like mm -hmm. uh, that, that's a cool choice of like, that's what wigs them out enough to like crash yeah. the car, you know? Right. I, I kind of, I, I kind of dig that choice. There's a lot of like weird choices like that, that I dig, like that are the plot driven ones, you know, in this movie. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And, and again, it's world building. Like it's establishing this sort of unease, like the world of, uh, uh, you know, again, I mean that literally like the world building, like what is uh, the world that is Hills Have Eyes? Because there's nothing else. You're, you never see a traffic light or like there's no police, <laughs> you know, it's like a, it's like this alien world. And one of the few components, I'm glad you brought it up, is like, yeah, like these creepy, huge military, you know, uh, uh, bombers. And that's about it. It's almost yeah, like a twilight yeah. zone. It's like I like how there's planet. like there's like three locations basically there's yeah. the gas station which like you mentioned texas chainsaw massacre they also stop at a gas station at the beginning of that movie right so mm -hmm. that's one mm -hmm. that's one location the other one is like basically the trailer which they could drop anywhere and shoot that right, right? and then there's the pile of boulders that moha that wonderful amazing mojave desert 
pile Brilliant. of boulders, you know, yeah. uh, Joshua Tree, uh, Victorville, wherever it was, like yeah. uh, uh, boulders. And then that's those are basically the three locations, and they got a whole movie out of it, right? It's yeah, pretty right. Amazing. And then there's also there, um, there, uh, there are some brief uh, interiors that I love of uh, of the, uh, the the crazy cannibal clan's the cave. home. Oh, the cave, and by yeah. the, yeah, the cave. Oh, right. By the way. Text Chainsaw Massacre. Um, I think the guy's name is Bob Burns. You're bringing up right? so many things that I want to get. Oh, into. I'm sorry. Well, go ahead. Yeah, Bob <laughs> yeah. Burns did the art direction. Oh, oh, go well, go ahead. Let's oh, do it. Just, Rock out. No, no. This is like you guys have all hit like 800 things that I'd love to get into one by one. Um, <laughs> let's just let's just back up to the beginning of where we were talking about the movie unfolding and how okay. it unfolds, because mm. it's like it's you know I and I think maybe one of the things maybe why you resonated with it. Tom, when you saw it when you were younger, and and it's, it's the same thing when I when I when I revisited it and was watching it, it's like um, it's really cool how like ethereal they sort of make the location and they and they really take their time building the dread. And what I think what's really cool is it like it reminds me of like you know like Fata Morgana, you know, with like Herzog, yeah. or it even reminds me of Walkabout too. And I'm sure I know that was yes, a formative movie that is for a you. Great call. And yeah. and that was a yeah I movie saw we, that I was I saw it when I was like five years old yeah yeah, yeah. that was one of our early episodes we did one fucking hour mm-hmm. shout out on walkabout and so it, it really does you know build like the scene and the setting as a character you know uh, which I think right. they do really well and I think that um, it's so it's kind of like even even more of like a nightmarish version of you know uh, of of walkabout. And just like the, and and you sort of think about the conditions that the crew was in when they were filming this movie. You know, it's insane. Like, it's completely oppressive going out and shooting a movie. Sure, it was really hot. (laughs) Yeah, in the middle of even more than we can imagine. Yeah, like going out and shooting a movie like in those conditions. You know, where there's no relief. It's like blazingly hot, over 100 degrees every day, and then it freezes at night. It's down at 30 degrees. You know, Mm -hmm. not probably having the budget they had. They probably didn't really have the proper elements to like. or sorry, the proper resources to fight the elements, you know? And so it's no, just, it's, it's, it's just, it's, I think it's just crazy. I think it's something that we maybe take for granted now, you know, with, a, you know, but like to be a low budget movie, a true low budget movie with a handful of people, a dozen people in your crew to go out into the desert and come back yeah. with a movie, you know, is, is I pretty, know. it's fucking, gonzo filmmaking all the way. It and, is. Yeah. And, and everyone has to commit, you know, from the actors mm-hmm. to behind the scenes, everyone has to commit again, just like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, because that was a very, uh, you know, overheated uh, endurance for no money for anyone and a real gamble for everyone, you know, and all the way up to the top, yeah. the, the financers, you know, like, uh, so it's 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 a bit of madness. And those days are long gone to right. roll the dice and to a lot like, of effort that goes into some put your life on the line. I was gonna say spoiler alert. Well, just spoiler alert on like, um, how bad it uh, it was for Michael Berryman. We can get into this, Michael in general, more maybe in a minute. It's another chapter, but just to give you guys an idea out there, you know, like um, Michael does have like I think literally like thirty six medical maladies, you know, physical maladies. It's twenty six. Uh, yeah. Okay, twenty six. And one yeah. of them is he he has no sweat glands, from what I understand. Mm. And so, okay, a guy who can't sweat and it's one hundred and twenty degrees. Yeah. So this poor guy, I think they had to keep like just pouring water over his head, like yeah. like cut. Mm. Like whatever it was for him to get relief because it wasn't an air conditioned trailer, Jeez. you know. So, uh, but he, I guess, he committed and really believed in it. Yeah, and he does a great job. So, anyway, yeah, that's the, how hard it was for him. 
Yeah, the thing, just a little, little, little quick backstory on Michael Barron because I, I don't want to get off of it. If maybe now's the time to really talk about. Yeah, him. why not? Let's do it. Um, you know, yeah, like I was mentioning, you know, he did. He was born with twenty six different birth defects. That's this is what his his deal is. He was uh he was born premature, and I guess the way that he explains it is that his cranium wasn't fully formed, and they had to have all of this reconstructive surgery to his head. And you know, you're talking about like spacers and bone implants and everything. <laughs> and I'm watching an interview that Michael Berryman's doing about this movie and about his life. And he's like, yeah, it was spacers, bone implants, and... Um, so I had to have some uh, reconstructive surgery. And there's uh, the fissures on the side of my head from where they cut through with the scalpel and s spread the uh, skull apart and then you know, put some bone spacers in there. And, and it fully developed. And uh, that's how we got the, uh, you know, uh, the, the face that we got. And that's just uh, how we got the face that we got. You know, and that's how he puts it. Wow. You know, like, like it was somewhat constructed. It yeah, wasn't just how, born of yeah. birth defects. So we got I, I the guess, face, you know, that we got. It's just like voices. Yeah, says we. One thing about him, again, again, I, we love Michael Berryman. But I will say that, you know, when, when you're first, uh, as his visage unfolds to the viewer, like it was his face, you know, as I maybe said before, was like, you know, the audiences at Drive-Ins were like, what the fuck? But what got me was there's a point where he's holding, um, you see, maybe you don't even see his face yet, but you see this hand gripping one of these, uh, you know, uh, CB radios. And it's like a hand, it's very, the fingertips are very stubby and there's no finger uh, nails. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know it's like and i was just staring at that yeah. like what is happening is because i was like that ain't makeup you know because yeah. like you'd have to it'd be fake I, fingers you know i remember that he doesn't have fingernails like uh we, we met him we shook his hand and stuff he was actually yeah. talking about it that day he was talking yeah. about like um you know he's he's super nice very yeah. very he nice is. Person. i love him He's yeah. like, I think he's one of those celebrities that sort of like knows their effect on people. So he goes out of his way to be super nice. Do you know what I mean? And like, and he talks very openly about like all of his, uh, sure. you know, uh, you know, whatever happened to him. When he's he's born. very well adjusted. The fingernails. He's super adjusted. He's like a regular guy. You know, he was wearing right. a leather jacket. He was yeah. like looking Mr. Show Mr. Cool. And he was telling a lot of great stories. I don't remember all of them. He talked about, um, uh, but one of them I do remember specifically, he was talking about working with Diodato, like the director of Cannibal Holocaust, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't remember what he was working on him with. But he uh, was Cut and that, Run was the cut film. Cut and Run. Okay, right. In, yeah. Okay. He was saying that like Diodato, like I remember reading about him that he was like a real sadistic type director. And uh, Berryman said, yeah, he, he totally was. And he's like, I had to like stop the shoot because he was sort of like, he had this woman and she was like uncomfortable and Diodato was being very like... Uh, you know, Berryman's saying that he's being very, very uh, Italian, <laughs> very rude to the woman or whatever. And that Berryman stopped the shoot and said, like, I'm not I'm not going right. to shoot this scene. You know, you right. got to like make her comfortable, let her take a break, whatever. And I thought that was pretty cool. Like, yeah. you know, he could throw his weight around <laughs> to, uh, you know, yeah. and stick up for his fellow actors. You know, yeah, that's and great. He was, he was such a nice guy. And, it, you know, I was thinking I can't ever see this movie without thinking about meeting him, you know. And one thing that was kind of going in my mind the last time I was watching, it's like, uh, you know, like this movie draws on the kind of the stock characters of like the hideously deformed people that are monsters inside. You know, it's like it's a it's a trope. It's an old trope. Like Richard the Third is like the hunchback. Right. And like mm -hmm. uh, the you know, the 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 
the deformed people are always sort of the monsters and old well, the freaks movies and stuff. We, the movie right, freaks, freaks ends you know right right it's sort of an old trope maybe it's kind of you know it's not in fashion right now to do that kind of stuff i don't think but like exploitation I, you know, I, yeah I, yeah i was kind of thinking about like you know now we're sort of in an era where like we find out that evils like can be really banal <laughs> like the banality of evil you know it's really just some like right. normal looking guy in a business suit or something is the most evil well, person on the planet so uh, you know that kind of stuff is going through my head while i was watching this movie last time it's like uh you know that it's it's tapping into that stuff and i'm gonna go over to evan who's got some okay. thoughts on this i guess <laughs> thank you <laughs> before we get derailed into a different subject okay um so yeah because tom off the top of the episode, you were you were talking about um, like what this movie is based on, you know, um, yeah. that is that, that it is based on either. I don't know if it is a fable or if it's like a real story. I think it might actually be I a think real it's story. real. I think yeah. it's real. But yeah, maybe it's exaggerated. Real. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, Sweeney Todd is real, but probably right. exaggerated. Yeah. Uh, so Demon Barber of Fleet Street. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, what is really interesting, um, you know, is basically yeah, it is, is the Shawnee Bean family. And I'm going to give you just a quick backstory on this and how it kind of yeah, dovetails into, you know, how it sort of dovetails into what you're picking up on, Marcus. So mm. uh, it's 16th to 17th century feral cannibalistic family uh, that would prey on travelers is a story. They would eat people, they would eat the horses, and they lived off of a cliff, mm. you know, facing the road. And this mm. was, yeah, like you were saying in Scotland or somewhere in England... Um, but what happened was is that they were discovered and they were living in a cave and the whole thing. And then when the, when they were discovered, they went back to the king and said, "There's these this you know these crazy cannibals out there. We got to do something about this." So they formed an expedition to go find them, and they went to go find them. And then what did they do? Of course, they captured them. They brought them back to London. They fucking hanged them. They put the women on torture wheels. They dismembered them. You know, and they did all these hideous, horrible, drawn and quartered, probably slow death sort of things. And so, um, you know, obviously, what resonated with uh, Wes Craven, you know, in in researching this and finding the inspiration, because basically he was he was told like, hey, uh, you know, by the producer, let's make a horror film. We got to make a horror film. You can write a horror film. You did Last House. You can. And he was kind of hesitant. He was like, I don't know if I want to relive the controversy of you know what i what happened right. with last house and right. so he was he tried to find inspiration but they basically were like let's make something in the desert you know that was the starting point so then he found this source material and what really resonated with him was the idea of juxtaposing how um what civilization did to the savage people you know and how and, and even though these savage people are cannibals and they did fucked up shit the, the actual civilized people were much more brutal and much more, you know, uh, well, and, violent. And the deformities, uh, the deformities in the in the film of that family, the causation is the uh, the atom bomb tests in the area, right? I mean, that, that's like a direct, mm. you know, that's what's what the old codger grandpa says, you know, is uh, his news clippings, you know, of like, uh, you know, families that were born, you know, it's the cl that's actually a classic post um you know yeah. hiroshima trope right. uh, of horror you know God, godzilla is one of them you know totally. that's that's godzilla was a, mm -hmm. a way of japan psychologically processing you know the, the atom bombs dropping right, and um right. it was uh it was you know he was he was a mutation 
he's just a lizard, but he's mutated from the atom bomb. And so it was a fascination of the second half of the 20th century. And this right. film is, is part of the Cold War par paranoia of well, nuclear. Like, well, right. more just like um, what hath man wrought? You know, like, mm -hmm. like, like, all, all, you know, like we made super weapons and, and not only do they blow people up, but like, you know, now we're like mutating, like, like it's like pollution is the analogies to pollution and mm -hmm. nuclear but it's, testing. It's also, nuclear waste. yeah, I think on top of that, I think it also is similar to Texas Chainsaw in many ways. I mean, in several ways, it's similar to Texas Chainsaw, but also in the idea of what we talked about in that episode, when we did Texas Chainsaw, shout out to that. It's in the archives. Oh, yeah. Classic. When we did that, um, you know, it is also examines that class war kind of idea too, you know, of like yeah. the, you know, modern family, the suburban family, you know, that has the camper and everything, you know, running through this kind of sort of backwoods area or in the de desert area with all these people and contrasting, you know, like modernity and all that stuff and how these yeah, are yeah. clashing class war it's, kind of situations. Well, it's, it's a film yeah. of two families, you know? Right. That's what and you said. I, yeah. I guess, to, right. And to circle back to what Marcus was saying, though, uh, just real quick, like just to put a button on it. Let's not forget all of us what the last note of the film that is struck, which is just like Last House on the Left, in that um, and, and Virgin Spring, the Bergman film, uh, is the barbarism mm -hmm. that can be conjured in the modern and civilized peoples. Right. If they're pushed to the edge and they're threatened, they're killed, they're maimed, they're hurt, um, mm -hmm. they will exact, you know, the, the vengeance of God, uh, you know, and that's the last shot of this film is not mm -hmm. Michael Berryman like, oh, stabbing somebody with a fork. It's actually the middle class, you know, like divorced dad mustache guy, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, like little league coach uh, yeah. is like going. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> and he's like, he looks like, like, like Harry Shearer to me. He looks more like Harry Shearer. Sonny Bono. Harry Sonny Bono with yeah. a pot belly. And he's like, ah, ah, and it's psychotic. And it goes like solarized yeah. and single, or, um, you know, stop frame. And so that's the note that Wes Craven wants to end on is right. that these guys are fucking bananas too when pushed comes, comes, push comes to shove. I think it's doing a meta thing too, because we are like, as the audience members, we get sucked into it too. And then we like to see these people like get revenge on the people that have done things to them. You know what I mean? Like when the dog goes after, you know, when the dog, the dog kills a couple of people, right? Every time the dog kills somebody, I'm kind of like, yes. You know, I love how the dog that they, that, is a character. That they killed the the dog. So, yep. Yeah. So I think that that's got some, um, you know, I think that he's making us feel like we're the monster. It's revealing that the audience likes to see that the these people are being tortured. And as Americans, I think a lot of times we are like throw them in jail and torture them or whatever. You know, there is that sort of thread that runs through this country. And I feel like maybe it is showing a, like a little bit. It's doing that cinema thing where it reflects back at us our own, our true inner selves too, because we <laughs> become those people that would overkill somebody that like took our baby or whatever, you know? And I think it makes us feel that those same emotions as the audience, you know, and that's probably well, part of like what's going on with Wes. I, I, yeah. I, I do also love kind of just the touch of it, you know, whether it's what he thematically had in mind or not. <clears throat> I, I just love that, you know, in, in the film you have one dog, you know, beauty gets killed. That's kind of the first big tipping point moment yeah, is when right. yeah. one of the dogs, runs off and then of course um homeboy bobby beauty's dead <laughs> beauty's dead what beauty's been 
dead since this afternoon. Yeah. The, the young, the, the young Bobby. brother, uh, yeah, Bobby. That's a Bobby's. good performance when he has to like finally yeah. confess up, like Beauty's dead. Yeah, you know? which happens way after. Because yeah. Bobby's having a very weird experience that's outside of the rest of the family because he's going out there in the rocks, mm -hmm. uh, looking for Beauty, and he's seeing that's, like messed yeah. up stuff. He's Mark and Hamilling he, hard to me. He's like he is. Uh, I know. Blonde boy with a bowl. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know. Totally. It's and it, with the with the high like sports socks with stripes. And, like and, playing and, a little younger than he should be, probably, you know. Yeah, like, yeah sure. I love Bobby though. Bobby's yeah. Bobby's my dude. Okay, so sorry, but yeah. So it's it's. Uh, but I I just love the the concept in the movie of like, beauty gets killed, the dog dies, right? But then yeah. it's up to the other dog, the beast, to get its revenge. Right. You know, for that's right. the right. other dog. That's true. And that's so fucking cool. I've never seen that in a movie before. You know, it's yeah, like, that's a good point. And it's very. But I think the simplest thing is, um, to uh, me, I don't see anything other than just uh, like I think what Wes is simply saying. Very uh, with with all three films, Last House, Virgin Spring, is that we distance and other people who are criminals and do things like eat babies. We other them, but they're still just human beings. You know, Donald Trump's still a human being, as hard as it's to consider. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, as we all are human beings. And right. so, um, or anybody, you know, like uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, we're all human beings. Yeah. So it's like, but we do this distancing thing when we're comfortable in a civilized society. Mm -hmm. And uh, it doesn't but offer any push, redemption then, then, for them except for Ruby, I guess. But, you know, what? He's not offered, he doesn't offer them any redemption. You know, he doesn't offer us to feel for them, I don't think. You know, like, no, no, but all, and all, but all I'm saying is he's just like, guess what? Scratch, I'll, I'll just say this scratch a civilized person, you know, and you'll find Michael Berryman. That's right. It's that's, that simple. That's thesis, what he's, you know, that's what yeah, he's saying. Yeah. yeah. That's what he's saying. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, if it, uh, just one quick second, uh, because you mentioned the class warfare thing, it's really interesting to me that it is like, you know, dirt poor against middle class, you know, because that is sort of the politics and that keeps this country deadlocked too, is like the rich are not even mentioned, you know, and it's like this, yeah. it's the, it's, it's the lower classes fighting amongst themselves, you know, and mm -hmm. I thought that was, you know, if it is class yeah, yeah. warfare, it's interesting sure. that it's on that level and not like a side note. I, I want to say this is my, just about my favorite depiction of lower middle class people. Uh, you know, he's a retired cop and they're from like, God knows, like Youngstown, Ohio or something, you know? Love it. And uh, <laughs> like, I grew up with shit like that. You know what I mean? Like that strata of society, I know very well. And God damn it, they nailed it. The way they look, the way they talk, like the lunches that they make, you know, like <laughs> ham and cheese sandwiches on white bread, those, you know? and Those like, grandma's cookies. <laughs> yes, bro, yeah, mother's cookies. That's what they're called. Okay, that's what it is. Oh, I used to eat those fucking cookies at, at, from Lucky's, you know, and Safeway. No, so so that depiction, and that's the thing. Just one last thing about that is that Wes made sure to paint a picture and to have that, like we're saying, social strata fully articulated. Like like what I, what I mean by that is like, um, you know what? In last or sorry, yeah, last house and left, they're rich actually or at least mary the lead girl and and the parents they're actually just to speak to you're saying marcus they are rich they're like they had a nice country home in like connecticut but these people are like fucking like youngstown ohio blue collar you know and mm -hmm. um and he really paints a picture you know the n-word is dropped like the cop sounds like a real doucher actually yeah, like the cop yeah. father you know and he's like making gr gross jokes about the inner city and stuff and it's just and the mom is like god the mom is so beautifully rendered that like 
that like uh, Edith Bunker kind of style where like they're just mm-hmm. oblivious to everything. Like, well, let's all have some more lemonade, okay? After like yeah. their daughter says she's <laughs> pregnant. You yeah. know, that kind that well, type of thing. It's yeah. not in the movie. Yeah. Well, here's here's something I was I was hoping we could have we could we, we could have gotten in more close to the top of the show. Uh, and it's a good segue for it about the family, <clears throat> is that, you know, they are inspired from Wes's own family. And yeah. um Let's hmm. let's just get yeah yeah let us just do a little uh, I have a little um, just I mean just for people who might not who be listening might not know a lot about Wes Craven I think it's interesting and okay. we should mention it here and then maybe we can kind of segue from there into just some of my favorite moments in this movie because we only got twenty minutes to hit them so and there's tons of them um, so with with Wes Craven it's you know really interesting because you know he grew up in a fundamentalist baptist church i mean his his mom was very close to the mom depicted in the film you know in terms of how religious she was and you know and 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 kind of i, I gather protected him from a lot of things in you know pop culture and movies and things like that he actually i don't know if you know this but with exception to disney movies he actually did not see a movie in a theater until he was a senior in college. <laughs> that's nuts. <laughs> no, that's crazy. You know, that's actually not unlike uh, Paul Schrader. Yeah. Uh, you know, and Todd, I believe Todd Solondz didn't see anything until that uh, makes sense. Except though. the Brady, except that the Brady sense. bunch until uh, NYU film school. Wow, yeah. killer. <laughs> so deprivation so did, leading to uh, great uh, filmmaking. Yeah, great creativity. Yeah. So he started. Seeing the movies in college, he got addicted. He was on track to basically become a PhD. Like he was on track to become, you know, a lifelong scholar and a writer. But he got addicted to movies. He really got into Fellini and he got into Buñuel and all this stuff because it was the 60s and that was happening. Bergman. Bergman. And he dropped out of college and uh, he was married with two children and then started picking up movie making and started buying a camera and seeing movies and started making shit. And everyone thought he was crazy. He dropped out his the person, you know, in, in his college, whoever is, you know, he's working under thought he was absolutely insane. And he went to New York and he just was like, I got to get into it somehow with all of this, you know, which is just so crazy. Yeah. And then and that's yeah, when he yeah. meets Sean, Sean Cunningham, obviously Friday the 13th, you know, fame. Mm-hmm. And then they had, mm-hmm. they had the opportunity to, you know, make a movie. And then of course, Wes went and did last house and the rest is history. It's just crazy that that's where he's coming from as a filmmaker. And, um, I know, you know, like, it, it, and, and, I, and I think that understanding of that family to kind of bring it full circle into what mm-hmm. he the sort of themes and statements he's making with that and i think it's it's actually brought to me i was chuckling knowing that going into rewatching it i was laughing at and this is one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie is really when you know barryman and his homeboy help me jupiter i, I get all their names mixed up uh, all mars them. is the uh, the guy with the the, the kind of curly the fro. hair the fro, okay, and the weird so, teeth. Who's actually the most frightening guy to me? He is hands fucking down. Yeah, holy he is. shit, shit. <laughs> Tiny yeah. side note, please. Uh, if you, 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 he's in like every which way but loose or something, or like, yeah. uh, like he's in like a Burt Reynolds movie. And when you see the actor who plays Mars without the teeth, the the fangle teeth and the black afro. Um, unrecognizable and it's incredible the job he did because he's like wear some good meat oh yeah you know like <laughs> baby's fat you fat that juicy 
that's one of the great terrifying performances, and he's unrecognizable. I when know. You see in other movies, it's such a trip. Please cut to that. I uh, will before I lose my train of thought. <laughs> Sorry, so, Mars. Um, this guy, Mars. Yeah. So, so evidence of everything I was just sort of saying is, I think it's like. Mm -hmm. That scene when they're in the camper where it's Mars and Berryman oh, and they're raising hell, which is a scene I really want to get into because it's in, it's so insane. Let's, let's do 10 minutes on it. Yeah. Yeah. It's totally insane. But the thing I was going to say is that there's that moment when Berryman flips out, you know, and he fucking rages and starts beat, you know, fucking destroying the camper from within. Destroying the food everywhere. Yeah. And it's like, to me, that's like kind of Wes in a way being like, fuck this you know, yeah, plastic I bullshit, know. you know, in a way. And it's, it's like, kind of like Zabriskie. You know? It's like the end of Zabriskie Point when everything's <laughs> yeah. blowing up. Yeah, yeah. It you guys know what I'm saying? Yeah, I like do. Like the yeah, slow motion yeah. explosion in the desert of like, because yeah. I think Wonder Bread explodes at the end of Zabriskie Point. It's amazing. And I always think of that, you know, <laughs> yeah, with uh, Michael so, Berryman in the kitchen. But that fucking scene, dude, is so, so crazy because at first it opens up with, you don't really know much about these guys. Like, you know, right. there's that amazing scene that we should touch on real quick before we get into the headliner here is there's that amazing scene when the dad opens the door and finds Grandpa Fred hanging from the like, you know, that also is right. like, what the fuck? He's like hanging by his own hand. Yeah. You right. Know? It, yeah, He's like, yeah. what are you freaking doing? Stop hanging yourself. And he's like, oh, yeah. God damn it. Oh. You know, it's so <laughs> twisted. That's mental. You don't see many it's like so mental, like you inner don't. like you don't see scenes where people are like stopping the other in mid hang. I know. You know those two yeah. actors are really killing it. Shout out to the old coot actor, you know, uh, oh. who was seen later in uh, Cheech and Chunk's next movie. Who's um, I love that guy. Oh, really? That's a good performance by that. Oh, by it is. Cooter. Oh, he is. And he's like this total like pan seared fucking face, too. It's just amazing. Love it. Yeah. Incredible, like beat red. Um, anyway, so that scene's incredible, which sort of gives you the first taste of really the savagery of... Well, the sun's know, going down, Marcus. Yeah, right. Right, mm, you know? right. Yeah, the sun goes down. The night. Yeah, right, right. And then, and then the guy comes in and, you know, he fucking kills him and the whole thing. It's an incredible scene. But that's our first taste of, like, you know, what's to come, right? And then when we get to this scene, we still don't really know, like, what the deal is with these... This, this family, I should say, this clan, right? And then you, then you, you cut in on the Mars guy, who's just Ugh. like drinking milk and eating the grapes, and then he mm -hmm. eats, yeah, and then he eats the live bird, you know, yeah. and he bites the head off he of like the bird. He, he does a it's a circus geek show move, like yes. he bites the head off the parakeet. Oh, it's good eating. It's horrifying. That's <laughs> that, that's why that guy wins because he, he doesn't have any bird defects. Yeah. yeah, that guy's incredible. And yeah. you know, and it's you're right. It's like they're chaos agents. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. this perfect little. I, you know, I'm so glad you you know and you articulated that. Um, this is maybe a, a, a sketch of uh, what Wes grew up in, his family, because he was punk rock blowing it up. And right. Slam That's kind of what I'm thinking. Like, That's no, kind of what I'm killer. thinking. No, it's killer. No, like he's yeah. throwing the Wonder Bread all over the room and like tearing <laughs> yeah. the Jaws poster. Tearing <laughs> yeah. the, the torn Jaws poster yeah, is the MVP classic. for me. That's yeah. such a good image. <laughs> that's the best. But, um, and just so, uh, that scene of chaos. Go, please. I was just going to say that fucking scene. Okay, real quick. Watching dude. it back, dude. Okay, so it's so intense, obviously. There's so many things going on. It's insane. It's just brutal that, like, two of the female characters are shot, like, first off. Like, that's just like. I was stunned. 
that's another thing that doesn't happen very often. It's like, um, actually, they're going to die right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like more of that family dies than you are expecting, you know? Like, this shit hits fucking yeah. hard. And then yeah. the fucking image of the baby on the floor of the camper is is uh Dude. like man it's it's i it's I, it's insane I've, I've seen i'm so jaded and seeing so many horror films or mm-hmm. modern thrillers whatever and it's like nobody that's such a great but crazy and insane simple way to raise the stakes of any scene mm-hmm. is just to have a fucking baby on the floor yeah. you know and you know, the only other thing I'm like you're worried just, you're worried that they're gonna step on the baby the whole time i know like, i'm still worried yeah, like, like michael's gonna back up and plant his face right on the kid's head or something <laughs> it's really mental they, shout out to fight for your life from the same year 1977 mm. there is a gun pointed at a baby's head in that film so, <laughs> no it's you're loving crazy. this marcus aren't you yeah. <laughs> As the only father here yeah. yeah exactly yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're pointing a gun right at the kid's head in it that It does movie. hit different when you have a baby or when you have a kid. Like, mm. you start to watch these movies differently. Like, yeah, when I was younger, I was more like, baby <laughs> in that scene. Or oh, it's juicy. All, but, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. And I like how it's contrasted. Like, the food thing, how it's contrasted with it. Like, like you said, they're eating the cookies. The, the, the middle class people are eating that stuff. And then the barbaric people are going to eat a baby eating you know, baby's or- toes <laughs> yeah. okay i'm gonna i'm gonna uh, uh I'm, I'm gonna do a hostile takeover here let's start shouting out uh let's get into that scene but let's continue and build out the family the the other family the clan sure. and uh there's some mvps there's pluto i think is his name and he's on the on the on the uh that's a, that's berryman that's mercury pluto. i think yeah i think pluto is berryman isn't he oh god yeah, you're right. Mer- and I'm talking yeah. about Mercury. Yeah, Mercury. Jupiter. Mars. Jupiter is the other guy. I think oh, fuck. Who cares? It doesn't matter. <laughs> so, so the one that's like a real simpleton who's yeah. like um, like idiotically on the CB, like talking to the other guys who are down in the camper, like, oh, you guys yeah. got a baby? Hey, n- n- this time, can I eat the toes? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that's like that's that shows to me Wes Craven is like kind of got a <laughs> punk rock sense of humor. That's getting um, John Waters time. Yeah. Like he didn't he didn't have to go <laughs> like this weird, like, uh, you know, like mentally deficient. <laughs> like child man in like fur is like 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 rocking back and forth i ain't gonna eat the toes you know like what is, what am i watching right now i mean it's savage and out of control by the way i think i'm right that is the producer of the film peter Locke, doing that command performance of maybe you know i think, I think he I, is actually it is and Locke, it's a great yeah. performance it is yeah. peter Locke. okay great and so uh, eat the toes. And okay. this is the kind of stuff that freaked me out so much because there is a th- continuing threat in the film of that baby who we're seeing being cooked. And then your mind starts like thinking like uh, you could, you know, babies are small. Like they'd be like, you know, what is like a Cornish game hen, like on a spit above one of their fi- a fire. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he's the parent there. Well, it's making, it's making your head do that, you know? Yes, it is. It is. It's pretty fucked. Um, but there, there is this other because you did real quick just put a bow on this kind of moment in the movie. You were sort of talking about that this is a, a a tale of two families, you know, and there's a lot of parallels between both of them, which I think is very, very intentional, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, there's that awful moment we should mention in all this chaos. You know, um, the Mars guy walks in on Berryman trying to make moves on the one woman in the camper, right? But he tears Berryman off and says, you're not a man yet. You wait till you get to be a man. 
you know, or whatever. Right, so right. there's this question of masculinity in their family. But then yep. several scenes later, you see the same thing play out between the two guys, between, uh, you know, Sonny Bono and, and Bobby. What are you doing? Where are you going? You're not my father. I'm going to get those bastards. Where yeah. um, he says the same thing, like, you know, a- after the crazy scene, which we got to get to about the dad being crucified. And he, oh, he's going to go, he, he's going to go get these guys. And he says, no, wait. And he's like, you're not my dad. And so there's like this whole kind of like similar yeah, you're right. yeah, sort of true. parallel between the two families and this kind of, you know, try to dominating for masculine male hierarchies. Control. Yeah. Male hierarchies, yeah. which is interesting. So he's exploring with that. But guys, yeah. the, this, this scene of the dad, well, first off, is so, so what's shoved down his throat again? <laughs> I, I'm not clear. I, I, uh, I, I haven't like seen it. It was a rag it. or something. It was a rag? Okay, I thought it was like, like a an rag. Animal. Okay, so maybe it's just a rag. Oh, maybe. So well, something maybe goes down his throat. Rag. Yeah, okay, and then he gets crucified. But then we see, dude, the explosion. Okay, first off, this dude is, there's an explosion, and then they yeah. go out, and he's crucified to a tree. Incredible yeah. image, Apple, by the way. Apple, yeah, Apple. it's like Joshua Tree uh, Apocalypse. I know. Yeah, and yeah. Like, but what yeah. gets me again? Kudos to Wes, who's so gifted, is to articulate just how uh, a brutal and assaultive that this kind of murder is to be burned alive. I believe there's a nice shot of him. Maybe it's his profile, and he's exhaling smoke. It's like yeah. maybe his last breath is like Ooh. smoke, and it's just like <gasps> yuck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and his it's, cries are awful. Like Marcus was just doing a, a uh, cosplay awful. of that. Yeah. I wonder if the brutality of it, like, I wonder if they, when you write it, you, like you meant, you called that earlier that he's kind of a piece of shit, like he's an asshole cop from the city yeah, or fuck whatever. Him. Like, yeah. I wonder if that's the reason that you write a character like that is so that because you're gonna do something so horrible to them Maybe. earlier. If it wasn't, if it was a person that you liked, it would be <laughs> yeah, like you that would be finish horrible. the movie. Well, yeah, yeah, but but, <laughs> but that nice, but the nice new mom is like shot in the stomach and slow death yeah, for but mom. She's not crucified, yeah. she's, you know. <laughs> no, screaming. that's no the degree, but it's so brutal to see her. Like she, she's not really spared too much either. Like relatively speaking, yeah, true. Like because that kills me. In, uh, uh, D Wallace, because I, I really wasn't expecting uh, when I first saw it to see D Wallace die. Yeah, like that it's just that's she's the yeah. a new mother. Yeah. you know. Yeah. And uh, she does not make it, and she's and, and like she's gone. And then, and a quick shout out to another demented thing in all the chaos of murderous chaos is uh, the mother is also killed, and then they uh, the really demented shit is at dawn when they bait uh, the the clan from the hills uh, by putting her corpse displayed. I know in front of the tree, like in in the lawn chair, and it's like, what am I watching? You know? I know that it's is really hardcore shit. The boob, fucking booby trap. Yeah. yeah, it is yeah. interesting. Like trap. that that trope of like using the booby traps in nature. I wonder how far that. It's like Predator. You know how at the okay. end of Predator he sets right, all those right. traps and stuff. I wonder right. where that trope comes from. Is that Wiley like, Coyote like uh, Roadrunner? <laughs> Probably <laughs> like, like a Hitch, like a Hitchcock thing, or I don't know. And it might go like back into that or something like Dial M for Murder. I'm thinking it's like cartoons. People, it's like people okay. using their brains to like overcome. You know Roadrunner. the br- the brawn of the other uh, the bad right guy, yeah the you know? cunning sure. it's the always cunning. very uh, it, it always winds up being something involving uh, gasoline and uh, a big matchstick yeah like no, striking okay. when a door <laughs> opens <laughs> That's that the is incredible by the way like <laughs> yeah. like how, how matchstick door opening like you don't see 
what's what's just a nice little touch is you don't see the scene of him placing all those things or whatever. You just see a quick shot of like, okay, he's leaving the door, and then we just quickly see the insert of match over you know strike pad, you know, or whatever. Right. And then yeah, in our minds, yeah, yeah, we're yeah. like, okay, we know exactly what he's thinking when he's doing this. And it's it right. is a little it is absurd, but. It's something it's so absurd you really get behind it and you also want to see it. It's like watching like an elaborate dominoes thing on like Instagram or something. Yeah, you want to make sure exactly. you want to make or sure like, what is really that, the ma- there's that game mousetrap. Yeah, yeah. About? It's like a mousetrap yeah. thing. But again, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Wes had I mean this, uh Roadrunner on his mind, because they're out in the desert, you know, and it's it just probably the feels only thing like, he was uh, allowed to watch when he was a kid, it sounds like maybe. Oh, so. there you go. Maybe that's it. I mean, I don't oh know. God, we cracked the case. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anyway. um, but yeah, so that's incredible. The blowing up of the camper is amazing. Um, and then yeah, the fucking totally. fro guy comes out, right? And there's this brutal Bars. fight scene. This brutal fight scene, which I got to shout out real quick because you don't you don't ever really see in a fight scene a body slam being used like as a as a as a, as a, as a fighting tactic. And the, right. the and the Mars guy fucking body slams. Uh, I think Bobby. I think he just like while mm-hmm. they're like struggling, he just like fucking slams them, and <laughs> it's amazing. So, right, right, right. Yeah. I don't know if that's like some well, weird to West re- wrestling reference or anything, but it's pretty well, maybe weird. The actor, see the, well, the body actors, hit the floor. Yeah. Like the, the actors very. The floor, um, I I wish I could remember, but the <laughs> actors in like every which way but loose or like smoking the bandit two or something. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, what I'm saying is, I think he's a bit of a southern good old boy guy. So he might have been like, I got this. I'm gonna do a <laughs> Jimmy Fly snooker on the guy. Yeah, you know? it's like so he weird. Have, he he <laughs> yeah. might have added some. Really, he is the MVP to me because. Yeah. Um. That that line. I'm really being repetitive here, and I don't give a fuck. He's just like you know, juicy, <laughs> juicy. When he says that, yeah, like that's chilling. His his he's his better his, than the pop. Good. He's better than the Papa. You know, he's better. He's doing that voice better than Papa Jupe is. We're and not Papa even Jupe, mentioning Papa Jupe. Papa Jupe sounds like he's doing a voice yeah. a little bit to me. A little bit. No, but Mars is really convincing. So, let me get incredibly obscure if I can for one second. I always thought that the Papa, the actor, I forgot his name, James Whitmore or something, something like that, is like, I thought he was more of an actor, but then I looked up the guy who plays Papa in the film, and his other credit mainly is like, he was a telephone repairman in the Candy Snatchers. Like That's like, right. That's right. He's not That's really right. much of an actor, you know? Like I actually saw that too, yeah. Yeah, it's not that's anyway, crazy. Just um, yeah, like uh, he didn't have much of a of a past, um, right? But yeah, what an ensemble. Um, there's also Ruby, you know. Uh, shout out to Ruby and uh, Mar- Marcus was mentioning her earlier that like she's like kind of on the fence, and that's a classic trope too of like the person mm-hmm. who's kind of like borderlining. You yeah, know? yeah. Well, the, that's the penultimate moment, right? Like the like the like the big moment, like after the dog fucks up Barryman. Um, we have Achilles I, tendon trauma yeah. shout out. <laughs> yeah, it's fucked up. Brutal, 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 brutal. But then, but but then you get the whole that whole crazy scene where you got fucking Sony Bono fighting. I believe that's Jupiter. I don't have their names are all fucked up in my head. I know. But, and like they're fighting, and then Ruby's like, "What am I gonna do? Because I want to save the baby, and right. you know, I'm a right. mother, and blah, or whatever, you know." Right. And then and then they get the snake to do the deed, which is amazing. Mm. 
But then it's mm-hmm. so crazy. Like you were talking about in that ending moment where it's like, and I had forgot how this movie ended. I, I literally forgot the ending. And so I'm watching it thinking okay. like, what is the, like, I don't remember. Like, do we see them like get rescued? Right. Do we see what's them back the in Ohio? Right. Do they get yeah. to LA? Like, what's the note? Mm-hmm. So then I, I the forgot. Cops yeah. Or something. I, I forgot that it was just Sonny Bono stabbing and, and then this fucking amazing <laughs> flash to red. It feels like, you know, yeah. And yeah, it's like it's slow mo. It, it's kind of reminds me of um, uh, real quick. It kind of reminds me of Rolling Thunder, only in the way that yeah, okay, the movie cuts to credits as soon as the homeboys get their revenge. You know, right? And it's yeah. like right. okay, revenge Good done. Call. What else is there? You know, to really see the Straw Dogs do that too. I think no. There's a postscript on that. Right. I think it kind of lands steps down, quieter reduction. But that's not like the end of fucking movie note. though. That's how to end a fucking no, movie. No, I know. That's a like, that's one of the great seventies endings. It absolutely. is like like Last House doesn't end that. Last House kind of like Last House is what we're talking about a minute ago. Like the cops come in, you know, and it all kind of you know sorts out in that sense. Like the world, like the world is not restored with the final frame of uh, Hills of Ice. Actually, to me, it's one of those sort of like two thousand and one cosmic or Zabriskie Point kind of endings where it just gets abstracted. Where it's like, told it's it's like he's pounding on one of the cl- people in the clan, you know, Sonny Bono guy. And it's mm-hmm. not unlike the, the apes in 2001. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, oh, yeah, like, so. like archetypal human aggression and it's never going to end, 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 you know, yeah. it's yeah. a very 70s ending. It's a bit Tiny of a shock ending and that it's not like, you know, you're not, you're not, it's not like something unexpected happens, but it's just, you're, you're in shock that it's over. You're like, that's it. Like that's right. You know, it's that that's the final note. Exactly. Cold. It's like a yeah, prog rock ending. Killer. Yeah. yeah. Tiny shout out in these last moments of the film. Uh, there's like some overt sty- uh, uh, fairy tale stylization when um, th- they think they're cradling the baby and it's a pig, you know? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Isn't that great? oh yeah. it's so fairy tale to me, right? Yeah, I love that. It's very weird. Yeah. Um, there's wh- the, I, I got to shout something out too, real quick. The, 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 you know, in this movie of things that are basically seem kind of plausible, the one thing that always sticks out to me is that the dog is doing some serious lassieing, you know? They're like, I know. All right, you stay here, wait for him to yeah. come around and then get him, you know? Got the it, dog's chief. like, yeah, he's yeah. like hiding out. <laughs> I love that. Dog, like waiting for the right but I love to that strike. too. I love no, that. No, I know exactly. Like they have this like uh, communication beyond words. Where no, Lassie. it's great. I love. It makes you feel it's good. So cool. Anytime like, you feel so bad, the dog that died. You know, that we right. twist the knife for us, and yeah. you feel so good seeing the dog. Like get, you know, it's, it's literally beast. to me. It's it's such an, a great exploitation movie. Like like I'm in a packed theater, like cheering on this idea yeah. that we've seen the one dog get brutally murdered. It's like there's a d- little doggy revenge subplot m- other movie <laughs> that I'd yeah. love to see sometime Amazing. where it's right. just like one dog gets brutally killed and then here's the other dog going to get the revenge. And then their sibling pays off. Like exact revenge. Off. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so great. great. And then, and how the beast dog is really treated like a character. Like we really see his POV quite yeah. frequently in this movie. I know, which <laughs> I do really appreciate. I think that's kind of fun. Tiny shout out if we're staying on this for a second. The very very bad uh, uh, sequel, Hills Have Eyes Two, is is truly just regular old bad. Like I've never seen it. it. But but I will say this: uh, Beast is back in two, and oh, he has yeah. a flashback. It's it's a film that has a dog that has a flashback. That's cool. Like like <laughs> like you see the dog and it zooms in on the dog's face and he's like, I'm remembering Michael Berryman in the same location. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's kind of sick. Like it expands on the beast, um, uh, you know, 
okay. uh, uh, archetype. Just because we have a minute left, I have just one quick shout out because you brought it up earlier and I wanted to make sure we got it in. But one of the actual like real physical bridges from Texas Chainsaw into uh, this movie is Bob Burns, who is the art director. He's usually credited in both films. We went to town on Bob Burns in our Texas Chainsaw Massacre episode and the archives definitely hit that up. But yeah, it's amazing that I saw an interview with Wes where he talks about how Bob Burns, who's just this freak, he's a total freak who brought a lot of real authenticity, like crazy weird animal parts and bones and things to yeah, decorate yeah. Texas Chainsaw. But he literally drives up to set with his kit, as he calls it, his kit. And his kit <laughs> is a truckload of all the camouflage netting from Texas Chainsaw, the skulls, the bones, wow. all that stuff. Wow. He had it all just in a giant truck. And so that's his kit. And he brought it in and they just cherry picked all actual props from Texas Chainsaw that were repurposed in this they, movie. Uh, they decorated the cave of the clan, right? Right. It's just so cool. I that recognize that some things. It's the same so cool. animal bones are in both films. That is like, so wow, dope. That is cool. How yeah. cool is that? Yeah. So anyway, uh, all right. Well, I think, uh, you know, Hills great. Have Eyes is a lot better than I thought it would be as a rewatch, actually. This movie's great. Okay. I dig it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for, for, for variety reasons. Okay. Yeah. Well, we did and it, not, guys. It wasn't what we planned so on, but we did it. Not so bad for winging it, guys. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Freestyling. Well, it's, no hard, it's not hard for me. It's, it's, yeah. it's uh, branded into my consciousness permanently. Yeah. We didn't even have to get into the 06 reboot that much. So No. Which I've never movie. seen. Never seen. But the, no, but hell no. But no. But hey. But oh, that it's, is, it's kind of fun. That's what I was gonna really? say. Is, on its own say. terms. Yeah, I have heard. I have heard that the neckbeards are real passionate about the Hills of Eyes. Oh, that's a huge classic and of the last few. You, you, I, you, you I talk to people. Often, it's better than the original. You hear it. Well, a lot. they're stupid. Yeah, you know. Yeah, wow. Like, yeah. There's a lot of people who think uh, Texas Chainsaw Two is better than one. It's just oh, like, that's, it's a lot of dummies out there yeah. that are wow, uh, you know right. like driving cars and speaking English and stuff. It's it's, it's <laughs> scary. So uh, <laughs> no, but like um, uh, I'm glad I shouted out the sequel to Hills Have Eyes because. Uh, I, I love it. I love how bad it is. So I'm glad I got to mention Hills Have Eyes uh, dog flashback. But um, okay, yeah. I mean, we got through it. It's sad there isn't a I know Berryman uh, Elm Street, but we are making an appeal on a cosmic and a, a grounded level. Shutter, if you're listening, um, <laughs> you know, like if if Michael's in your Rolodex, like it's not Call a bad idea. I not know that idea. would be great. That'd be great. Well, I'm I'm don't, I'm let, our, don't let our April Fool's prank go to waste. Yes, Basically, please, what we're saying. please, please. Uh, yeah, I, I think my, I think Marcus, you were right. We should have added a little grain to that photo in hindsight, twenty twenty. I think mm. would have maybe, maybe, maybe we, we wouldn't have gotten um, called out. But so a two thousand two film might not have had uh, excessive grain. I mean, That's you, true. Have, you have to really nuance it and get yeah. like because uh, it could have yeah. been shot on video. Yeah, uh, in mm -hmm. two thousand two, still right. Were they yeah. doing video by then? No, but I mean, they, they, they would have used film. I, I would no. imagine. I, I would see a film Bill, like 2002 that. Film made in okay. made in Israel. If they're making it in Israel or wherever they're shooting, <laughs> I know, it. we could have stepped no, it was, on it. No, a it, was bit, backed, yeah. it was Israeli backed. Okay, but it was filmed in Belarus. Okay, Belarus. Come on. Okay, yeah. Okay, fact straight, man. <laughs> uh, okay, um, I love the idea of doing a one fucking hour in a movie that doesn't exist. That was kind of a I high know. concept. That will uh, happen someday. That will happen someday. But let's talk about what is happening uh, next week. So next week, we're going to be doing a real film, a movie that actually exists. We've teased it a couple times on the show previous, um, <clears throat> getting back into the Martin Scorsese of it all. Um, 
So next week for episode 63, we're going to be getting into, uh, I think, one of your guys' favorite uh, Marty's, which is uh, After Hours. So Martin Scorsese's After Hours from 1980, Help Me 3. No. Six? 85, Four, I think. 85, 85. I think you're right. I think it's 85. 85. It's just follow yeah. up to uh, King of Comedy. That's right. Yeah. And it'll be so, our third Marty movie. Third Marty. So uh, everybody get your get your watch in on After Hours or your rewatch and follow along with us. Um, also, if you've not subscribed to the YouTube channel yet, uh, take some time just to click that subscribe button. Um, once we get to 1,000 subscribers, we're actually pretty close from what I... As we are recording this right now, I think we are at, let me take a look. We're at 970. So we only need 30 more subs. 30 more subs will get us to 1,000. And we're going to do, whichever episode lands on that, we are going to do a live uh, rendition of One Fucking Hour. And it's going to be two hours on the Sex and the City show, right? Ah, Didn't we commit to Garden State. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Well, That's, we're going to have to do that too at some point. By the way, yeah, I know we we, we definitely <laughs> that, owe it that to was the last people. year's last year's April Fools was that yeah. we were going to right. do a Garden State, which is yeah. I guess to us was an absurd consideration. Yeah, and we got one person to actually watch it for the show, which is pretty pretty cruel. Sorry, um, well, we'll still feel bad about that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. Pretty, it's not brilliant. kind. I know it's not at all. <laughs> so anyway, uh, after hours, very exciting. Kind of get back into the eighties, uh, yeah. Marty, Marty zone. Um, yeah. And so we'll be. Yeah, doing we've been that. all over the place lately. Like yeah. I, I'm even losing track. Like uh, we haven't been grounded in uh, our our gulch. Like I know uh, we're a little outside of our gulch, but our gulch is traditionally like seventy eight to like eighty two, and like this is a little outside of it. But we're getting closer to like. Um, the, our sweet spot, you know what I mean, and uh, and just a big chunky movie. We've been doing high concept things, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, you know, like a wrestling doc yeah. recently, and um, guilty pleasures, you know, and then yeah, and then like special eps. So let's yeah, let's do like a, a big succession of just like one chunky movie after another for a while, and uh, you know, I'm looking forward to that. Starting with cool. After Effects, we can After do that Effects. Out. Oh my god, yeah, I know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Adobe, yeah. Adobe, Adobe's our new sponsor. Stop. You're making me think or, about work. Or, 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 or we could do one fucking hour on that last episode of Succession too. We could do that as well, dude. Um, no spoilers. Oh, shit, no right. spoilers. Okay. It wasn't that special then? Nothing yeah. happened. Nothing at all. Yeah. Shrug. Um, shrug. You okay. Believe where her wedding dress. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, as well. seriously. Yeah. Yes. All right, all right everybody. I got to go. But uh, thank you so much, everybody, for bearing with us on an audible into Hills Have Eyes. For bearing with us. Bearing with us. And we will be back with you next week. Uh, Tom, you want to play us out here before we uh, tell the people? Yeah, you got to play us out. But we can't let people, can't let everybody leave without their moment of Zen. Tom, play us out. <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll catch you next time. I'm going to get the fuck out of here. See you later. Have fun. Bye bye. So, where is it, Jimmy? I swear a dog ran off with it. <laughs> to the principal's office. Back again, huh, Jimmy? But a dog really did run off with it. You're just never able to see our side of things, are you? Bend. Over. Motherfucking goddamn orange peel beef.
wicked, man.